Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back and we are continuing our points talking about how to have a successful and happy marriage and partnership. And we have to thank all of you for the great feedback we've gotten on the first days or the first days podcast about this topic. It's something that resonates with a lot of you. It certainly resonates with Julie and myself. And uh, as always, we're going to continue with the points and we're going to give these to you in the most uh, drilled down, most practical way that we possibly can. And uh, we want to thank you for giving us so much positive feedback. And also, I have to say, I was pleased that no one really sent us any snarky comments, too, because sometimes you talk about things that have really, and this does, have religious undertones. It's for some reason people, some, they don't take it as intended. And really what we're hoping to provide for all of you guys are the rules that we've governed our 30 plus year marriage by, but not just our marriage, but also how we've worked together in multiple businesses and still do. And uh, it wasn't easy at first, certainly, but when you're coming together as one, it never is. It's always going to be a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of effort. And we're going to share with you some more points that we have, um, not just that we used in our own relationship, I have to say, in our own business partnership, but also that we've since uh, gone on to help other coaching clients utilize as well. And sometimes it's a couple, you know, that are working together. A partnership or a marriage that are working together and other times it's people i'd say most of the time truthfully it's most of the time it's people who are having challenges with their spouse and they're looking for some relationship advice and um, though it's not our purview necessarily we want to stick mostly to focusing on real estate coaching uh, it is often something that we do have to uh, uh, help somebody with because of the simple fact that if someone's having a hard time in their home, they're not going to be very motivated necessarily to be very successful in their business. And oddly enough, the people that are most successful in their businesses, generally speaking, are the ones that are uh, conscious and apply a lot of these rules that Julie and I are going to share with all of you guys today. So take these as intended with love and care. <laughs> yes. And if you feel yourself getting weirdly triggered by something, be introspective. Why did that happen? Take the points at face value because that is how we intend them. And, you know, a lot of these points, Tim, I was thinking as I reread through some of these, they also apply to being a good human <laughs> so that you might find a good spouse. And, you know, so it's not just about working together or just about marriage. These are also good life skills in general. So we, you know, I have to say when we were writing these points, what Julie and I did before we even wrote our first point, because we've been working this on this on and off for, well, I mean, years, but wow, really yeah. when we wrote these notes, it was just the other day. And we wrote the first thing we wrote down is what we would what we will tell Zoe when she's thinking about choosing a partner, a, mm -hmm. wife, a husband, you know, mm -hmm. how are we going to go about helping her make that decision, who she's going to partner with. And um, that was our motivation, really, because that's that centered us on how to keep things really practical and not too woo woo, certainly, and also not too emotional, because oftentimes it's the emotions, you know, it, it's it's leaning into a point that we made yesterday, Julie, mm -hmm. and I think it's really important. Sure. That it's like, you know, when you hear someone say you have to have passionate or you have to be passionate to be successful at something, or they say all those words that are just obviously heavy on the Follow emotional side. Follow your dream and the money will come. Exactly. That stuff often, it sounds great in the short run, especially if you do have that type of passion, it works great. 
But think in terms of a relationship. Everybody, if you have long-term relationships, you, especially with a you know partner or spouse, you know what I'm talking about. Everything starts out all hot and bothered, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I mean that's how humans uh, bond to another human for the sake of you know forming a, a mating pair. Let's say starts with attraction, sure. exactly. And then over time, that that feeling does change. It evolves into something else that's maybe let's say not as acute as it originally was when it was all about the initial forms of attraction, right? The infatuation and all the rest of it. And uh, what is difficult for people to understand who have not had um, a long-term relationship, or really, I think Julie and I frankly have learned more from helping people who've uh, wanted to have long-term relationships, and again, as coaching clients, and uh, we've then suggested to them the different things that they might be wanting to employ in their relationships. But really, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is over time, the nature of your relationship changes. It's, you know, you will go in and out of the mad, passionate, this, that, and the other, but it, it, you will then replace that with something more profound. Your mission is not just to stay in this mad, passionate, irrational, you know, high level of emotional state. Your mission is when you're serious about having a long-term relationship is to move towards something that's going to be long-term and sustainable and be more purposeful and really, frankly, going to make you far more happier and content over time. Well, and a lot more uh, depth and breadth to that relationship yeah. than just the initial attraction too. So let's get to point number four. If you missed the first three points, get caught up on yesterday's podcast. And point number four, I, I would say this is in the top five for a reason. This comes up a lot with coaching clients and a lot with just different things we've read about marriage, et cetera. And that is point number four, be financially responsible and on the same page regarding money. This means understanding your monthly overhead and being honest with it and being honest about it, your debt, your savings goals, your credit scores, and so on. Have monthly financial meetings with each other. Yes, be honest about your finances. Don't get behind on your taxes and use an accountant. There's a lot of financial mini points to that. But, you know, I've had coaching clients that have like secret accounts that their spouse doesn't know about or accounts that they've forgotten about. But they, you know, they're not talking about it. Well, I mean, the financial thing, again, this is probably they say it's the number one reason that people get divorced. Truthfully, I doubt that. I think it's a major factor because yeah. it's something that's easy to argue about. Well, exactly. That's what people lean into. They lean into the financial things. But really, I think we're going to get to some of the more mm-hmm. real reasons why we see a lot of people having marital problems. And maybe money's part of it, but money really is the icing on the other, yeah. the, the, uh, well, the, but I the think gross cake. Being on the same page regarding money is an important thing. So let's give them some practical tips with sure. regards to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're big Dave Ramsey fans when it comes to basically getting your financial house in order. But as you accumulate more wealth... The Dave Ramsey uh, system might be something that you'll find it doesn't necessarily grow. It doesn't scale up depending on your wealth situation. Because it's a good start like to get yourself great out start. of debt in the first place. It is. That's a great start. It's definitely follow the Dave Ramsey stuff. I, you know, It's very practical. Definitely. It's very tactical. It's very similar to the advice that you guys are what you're hearing from Julie and I. Um, and also, as far as creating a financial plan that you can all – that's really the most important salient part of this last point, I think – is being on the same page as far as what the financial plans are. Expect there to be a lot of emotions attached to discussing money because it's not something that people are uh, used to doing. Right, and nobody's really trained in financial maturity. It's not really a class that you have to take even in college. 
High schools generally don't take it. A lot of parents don't talk about but money culturally, with their kids. Julie, people culturally, don't talk... people can be a little weird about it. Well, they don't talk about money. People will talk about their bowel movements and, and around friends before they'll talk about their finances. Well, aren't we all brought up to not talk about politics, money, or religion at the table? But who is it that doesn't want us to talk about finances? You ever wondered yeah. that? Why is it a taboo? Why is talking about money something that's considered that's a, a good taboo? good question. What well, do you I, think? I mean, well, we've done podcasts or we've touched about it before. And I want all the podcast listeners to actually think there's tens of thousands of you listening. We in society will have these free form conversations about everything and anything. <laughs> Just think about what I'm talking about here. Yeah. You name one thing right now that you will not be able to easily find some sort of conversation going on about anywhere that maybe even 36 months ago, let alone five years ago, or even 20 years ago, was a total taboo to talk about. Mm -hmm. And now all of these things are out in the open except talking about money. And when you talk about money, money is sort of like this place that all of a sudden you're supposed to have, you know, you're not supposed to think about it. You're not supposed to feel any kind of, um, you know, really at the end of the day, what it has to do with is control. Because if you are someone who's focused on financial independence and not being dependent on having a job, not being dependent on having to work for your money, getting to the point where you're you know, wealthy, where your money's working for you and you no longer work for your money, that means that you can opt out of really all the things that are designed to be control mechanisms of your life. So it's, we did a number of podcasts yes. about this. And just start out with this. If you were financially free, if you no longer had to work for your money, your money was working for you, would you live where you live now? Where you, would you vote for the people you vote for now? Would you uh, read the books and have the friends? Would you – all the things in your life would change, guys. That's well, really – Would you shop the way you shop? Or exactly. Or you talk yourself out of things, you know? Because you're, you're afraid to want things. You're afraid to deal with that. You're afraid to even talk about it. I think it is, for a lot of people, a triggering emotion, if you will. Sure it is. Uh, on a lot of different levels. People will say, well, you know, rich is evil or money is evil. It's the root of all evil. We did do a series of podcasts. I think it was called So You're Not Rich, Why Not? Yeah, Something yeah. Something like that. You to go back and listen to that because we really drilled down on it. But really the essence of it um, was – the, really, the cards are stacked against you. Well, I remember one of the points was nobody wants you to be rich, not even your mama. Yeah. Because really, at the end of the day, everyone likes to live in fear of not having money. And if you are a, let's say, government, and you want people to be dependent on you forever, the last thing you want those people to do is be financially independent because then you don't have all the levers and the pulleys that you can be manipulating to make, feel, uh, to make people feel beholden to dependent. And that is really the bottom mm -hmm. line, in our opinion. And everything is set up that way. I mean, look at how credit works, for example, right? So if you're financially independent and you don't really use credit, you're kind of opting out of that. So now the bank can't push you around and say, now you're going to pay points and more interest and one thing leads to the next. You know, so I think that you're right that wealth creates independence and society is by and large set up for dependence. Yeah, well, it's dependent on dependence, yes. right? Society is dependent on people being dependent. That's right. Now, by society, I don't mean all of society, but I do mean basically the power structures that are out there. Um, the obvious one being the government, but it's not just the government. The government's just a mirror of what's happening in society. It's everything wants you to be to be dependent, and the way they keep you dependent is keeping you in fear. And the best way of keeping you in fear, by the way, is keeping you in debt because you're going to keep doing jobs or having thoughts or voting for the people you're voting for because you you need uh, essentially you because you're financially dependent, dependent. That's why. So when it comes to money, you got to realize all money is. Money is a mechanism that allows you to be free. 
Money is a mechanism that allows you to think the thoughts you want to think when you want to think them. I'm, you know, it's one of our rules, right? If you want ever increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. I, we're going to edit right. it for sometimes long damn periods of time, right? <laughs> Indeed. You know, for sure longer than you think it will take. But once you get there, once you start seeing the money flow, once you're starting to have money work for you where you no longer have to work for money, it just comes in passively and all of you can create that. Well, it starts right there at that thought, right? If you know you could create a, an alternative uh, pathway forward where the money was coming in, where you didn't have to wait until you were 65, where you are, could live off your retirement and hopefully you can make ends meet. If there And there are obviously lots of people that are breaking through and declaring their, their, uh, their goal to be financially free. That's really where it starts, the idea that you, don't, that you can be independent. And then when you start realizing all the things that want you to be dependent, you know, the point in that series of podcasts that we did really, I think, was salient. Nobody wants you to be rich, not even your mama, you know, mm -hmm. because when you're rich, all of a sudden you're not going to be like the tribe in which you're surrounded by. Well, the birds of a feather flock together is true. And when you start to be a different looking bird, the other birds get nervous, right? That's right. So, I mean, just to keep it really practical. Now, again, we did uh, speak a lot about this on that podcast series, but also in the second half of the Harris Rules book. And certainly in the treasure map, we help you get very clear on this if you're not already. So let's give them some books. Yes. All right. So if you're wanting to basically unbury yourself, uh, a good, I think, basis is going to be the Dave Ramsey stuff. Number two, uh, a great book that Julie and I really like that every single person we've ever referred it to hate. But <laughs> we really love this book. But everyone else hates it. And you, it, it's called um, Profits Aren't Everything. They're the Only Thing. And I'll tell you the reason people hate it is because the book is basically about doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Yeah, there's That's, a lot of accountability involved in and, that. And there's a lot of accountability and there's a lot of sacrifice. And the author is not pulling punches with telling you what it takes to be a successful business owner. Again, it's profits aren't everything. They're the only thing. Get that book. And I promise you, you'll hate it and ask yourself why you hate it. It's really important. <laughs> you know, yeah. the next one's going to be Harris Rules. And obviously, that's our book. And we wrote that book with the idea that it was going to be a pathway forward for everybody to the with the ultimate goal, not just being selling more houses or having more awards or being an influencer. Mm -hmm. The goal was for you to be financially independent, where you then could wake up every morning knowing that your financial needs are more than taken care of and that you don't necessarily have to go out and do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You can then choose where you want to live. You choose what you, uh, what your environment's going to be like, your people environment, your physical environment. You start having that. It gives you freedom, doesn't it? Exactly. That's what I'm describing. In your heart of hearts, if you're being completely honest with yourself, isn't that what you want more than anything? It don't is, if you're being honest, why you got your real estate license. Well, it's, you know, it's like I look at our little daughter. Um, oh, I'm supposed to call her big girl now. Big girl. But I look at big girl <laughs> Zoe, who's eight, right? And I look to see what she wants more than anything. And I look to see what's, I, you know, Julie and I are watching her. And we see, of course, society is trying to mold her into being a good citizen, which, of course, means being a good gear in somebody else's machine. And Julie and I are pulling her in the other direction, not overtly to the point where she's going to be confused, but you guys can imagine. Um, and we're again, we're seeing this societal uh, thing to try to, Put her into some sort of, uh, you know, gear Pathway. thing where she's yeah. going to be doing this and she's going to be serving this role in life. And none of it has anything to do with being financially independent. None of it has anything to do with the idea that she could be in true control of her destiny. But what is her core uh, desire? It's absolutely to be freedom. free. Yes. yes. And every so and don't lose that, guys. Thank don't you lose for reeling me on on that point. Okay. Yeah. Every kid's uh, goal, your goal. <laughs> Was not to have to, I mean, Julie, <laughs> okay, you were sitting in the car this morning, or mm -hmm. is it yesterday morning? 
and she was having her breakfast mm-hmm. and all the kids and basically she was almost late to school when oh, she yeah. tell you yeah she goes i like being late and i said why is that zoe she goes the less school the merrier <laughs> all righty then i got it i got it she's like and she, today yet again i think she was the last kid in the door yeah well i mean that's a smart kid i know <laughs> but we still. had a nice time in the truck before we went in yeah all so, right so okay, now to keep it again to reel it in to be practical and tactical also get the real estate treasure map because that is your uh basically your workbook to start getting really clear yeah, on your sure. financial plan right and part of that too that well, we do let's with tell them how Yes, go ahead, whatever yeah, the so easiest it, way. Yeah, guys, just text the word um, Harris, our last name, to 47372, and we'll text you back a link to download the real estate treasure map. For free. It, for free, right. And it is a completely done-for-you, fill-in-the-blank business and life plan. We, we use this. We update it now twice a year. Well, we update it really. We update it monthly. It, it's what we use to keep ourselves on track. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we had one of these meetings this morning yep. after we went to the gym. Um, yeah, so that is something we use. We'll suggest you use it as well. So if you want a copy of it, it's free. Just text our last name, Harris, to 47372. Text our last name, Harris, to 47372. Yes, and one last thought on that. While you're working on your treasure map, it's good for you to get used to using mint.com because that is a great financial dashboard for you to keep track of everything. You only have to enter it in once. Yep, it's very it cool. And it updates for you. It is really cool, and I think that's free too. Yeah, it's free, and it, you can go and have, like, we use Mint. It's our KPIs. It's our financial dashboard. We can go in there. It keeps track of the value of most of our rental properties using Z estimates. So, you know, who knows what the real values are. <laughs> but you can modify that per your own CMA. Yeah, and, and, all, and any other assets you have, it'll actually go into any retirement accounts you have and things like that. But start with the idea that your heart's truest, uh, where you're going to be the happiest. If you want to know, if you want to have an opportunity to be that person inside of you that you've always wanted to be, obviously health matters, relationships matter, all those types of things matter. But the thing that matters the most is being financially free because you could have great health and great, great relationships. But if you're stuck doing a job or if you're stuck essentially always having to be under the yoke of financial stress, then you guys can kind of see where that has you end up. You don't have time to enjoy the things that you want to enjoy and those things go away. So you're in business for yourself. You are smart enough to get a real estate license. This is probably one of the best times in the history of real estate to be in the real estate industry. You need to realize this is not just about making ends meet. You think bigger and start thinking in terms of being financially free. All right, point number five. Point number five. This is also a big one. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. Don't change the rules by getting lazy or complacent, especially physically. And this is a pretty direct point. If you become unattractive to your spouse, you are the problem in the relationship. Now, I will put a caveat to this because I know a lot of ladies who have had three, four, or five kids, and that's different. Or if you're sick or you have surgery, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm so glad you read this point and not me. I know, because people take it the wrong way. They will. I'm not talking about if you're fighting a disease or you have COVID right now, heaven forbid, or you just gave birth. I'm talking about on a regular, normal scenario don't be the unattractive one to your spouse, right? Now, this can manifest in a lot of different ways. You've seen it with coaching clients too, but let's be spe- and friends. But let's be specific. Sure. We're not setting. We're not saying you have to look this way. No, because like you know, who knows, right? People are attracted to different things. So whatever. What we're saying is, when you got married, yes. when you were dating, how you looked is what that. That's the. That's that the, was the attractor factor. That's the box you came in. Yes. <laughs> and that's what they married. And if so, you have changed, yeah. or you know, that's where they chose the partner. And if you have, uh, all of a sudden, when they got home, 
uh, after a few years, the thing that they thought they, uh, you know, brought home wasn't what they expected. Right, or someone who they wouldn't expect now. They wouldn't date now. They wouldn't marry now. Exactly. You can't change the rules to that degree. And you can't say, well, they'll love me anyway, even though when we got married as 120 See, that's pounds. That's very assumptive. And now I'm 220 pounds. That is not, right. th- that, what that is not doing, and I, this is an offensive point for some of you. I get I it. But the reality of it's it is, true, is what you're doing is you're changing the rules. You're then creating a, here's the mess. What is the message you're sending to your spouse? Like if I were the, you know, let's say Julie is in great shape. She goes to the gym every day. By the way, we are posting on Instagram at Tim oh, and no, Julie Harris. <laughs> I am. We're, I we're trying to be accountable to all of you and post on Instagram at Tim and Julie Harris, um, our uh, workout. And yesterday, Julie had a great picture that she took with Ricky Martin. So if yes. you are <laughs> wanting to see that picture, go over to Tim and Julie Harris and actually uh, then obviously follow us on Instagram and you can see it. We're again, putting pictures up almost every day of us hating going to the gym, but we go there every Doing day. Doing what we don't want to do and we don't want to do it. Well, let's say Julie and I got married and we got married, we were, you know, both great shape. And over the years, I become somebody who's not in great shape. Julie stays in great shape. Didn't I in a way betray the commitment I made to her about keeping myself in a certain physical, you know, uh, making myself look yeah. good for her? Aren't I in a way disrespecting the relationship that we have for her or I had with her? Doesn't that in a lot of ways send the wrong message to your spouse or your partner when you stop caring about yourself? When you stop like wanting well, to look they care attractive, about you if you don't care about yourself, right? Would you, and Julie said it right. I mean, would you have married the person or the person that married you had you had today's rendition? I'm probably not, or maybe you would have. What's wrong with getting married and then getting in better shape every year? What's wrong with getting married and improving your finances every year? Why is why is it there's sort of this societal expectation? And I have to say, it doesn't cross all. There, it's mostly. Um, if we're being completely honest, it's mostly a, um, uh, what am I going to say? A demographic, if you will, or not even demographic, more a, than not. a financial thing. Yeah. yeah, I would think that's true. Yeah. So what happens, and Julie and I, we grew up, and I've mentioned this numerous times, I grew up on the poor side of the block. Julie grew up on the middle class side of the block. And it, the expectation was, as you got older, you saw this in you know your family, you'll see this in your neighbors and your relatives. People get a little bit fatter. They get a little bit slower. They have a tendency not to necessarily accumulate wealth. They retire. They have to sell their house. They have to move to some of this, the other thing. Their so the, beer intake goes up. Exactly. <laughs> right. So the expectation is subconsciously because you're in that environment and because your parents are in that environment because your siblings are in that environment, that's the same path you're going to follow. So what you do subconsciously is you start mirroring the environment in which you find yourself within. And since this point is about your physicality and your, ment- uh, your mental uh, and your emotional states, that's what happens. You start mirroring the environment. Well, especially that- if your friends are being that way too. Right. Everybody around you is like that. And the job that you have is like that. But you can turn that around. One of the things that I really enjoy watching from our Orange Theory fitness friends, especially back in Georgetown mm-hmm. where we used to work out, there's a lot of couples who decide that enough's enough. They're still committed to each other. They're going to make a change together. Do you remember that couple we used yeah. to work out with? He was a police officer. Yes, that's who I had in the back of my yeah. mind. What was their names? Do you remember their names? I, did, you, I knew you were going to ask years. me that. I'll, I'll remember. Mike was his name. Yes. Right? And I don't remember her name. I'll tell you in a minute. Anyway, so they <laughs> That is posted, who I was flashing I, my head I saw them post yeah. yesterday yeah. that she just ran without stopping. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many miles was it? It was incredible. It was a lot. Well, the only reason we were remembering them is because we both saw it yesterday. Yeah, but they're doing it as a couple is my point. And I remember when we first started going to Orange Theory. Rachel Susan. That's right. And they started (laughs) going to um, uh, Orange Theory at the same time. Both of them were large. 
And over yeah. time of going to Orange Theory, they became in really great shape to the mm-hmm. point now where they're in really great shape. But I remember yeah. we used to like hang out with them because they were a, a really great couple who yeah. were working together yes. to try to improve their physical. And they're very supportive of each other too. Exactly. And that's the thing that was really special to see is both of them getting in shape together. And then obviously their relationship is improving along the way because they're being very encouraging of each other. Justin and Celeste are another example of that. Yeah. And you and I used shape. yeah, and we used to love competing with both of those couples. Oh, I know, especially those two. <laughs> Even um, though they're a lot younger yeah, than us. Yeah, but I think the point to all this in our uh, you know, support of that is that First of all, it doesn't have to be too late if you're in this situation. You can turn it right. around. And secondly, uh, there's a common theme to all of our points, not just the ones we've already presented, but going forward, and that is being on the same page, right? Because if both of you are out of shape and you've kind of let yourselves go and only one of you makes the commitment to get your act back together, well, then the other person's going to go through a series of emotions and not get caught up or feel bad about it, not be on the same page, and that doesn't really solve anything. Well, so let's give them some coaching on this mm-hmm. because the typical scenario is we won't have both spouses or partners or whatever on a coaching call. It'll be one right. or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, I'm in getting, I, I want, you know, my wife and I or my husband and I, we, you know, we, one of, we have become, you know, basically out of shape and we're not having sex anymore. And we're, I mean, all the kinds of things come up on coaching goals. Yeah. And we're, we're not, it's not the relationship we want to have. Um, and we're just sort of growing old, not so gracefully. And I want my wife or I want my husband to start getting in shape and support me when I go to – and so here's the here's the marital advice for all of you guys. And by the way, this has been maybe a technique I've done in our marriage that's mm. worked with Mrs. Harris is that you start doing it without saying a damn thing. You start getting in better shape. You start actually being – Be the leader. Be the leader. And then the other person will not necessarily follow, but they'll see that you're doing it. The worst thing you can do oftentimes is try to coach – or prod or manipulate the other person to do it. You just start doing it. Like when Julie and I signed up Orange Theory, here's what we did. We didn't know what Orange Theory was necessarily. We thought it was a gym. Julie and I walked up to the thing. And, I figured there'd be orange juice. Right. And they were <laughs> going to give us some long pitch. And they told us we were, they were a gym and this is what they do. And I said, I, I didn't. they wanted to give us a tour and t- explain how the equipment works. And we were like, we don't care. Just sign us up. Now, that is the way that we made a, a commitment together to start doing it. And then afterwards, Julie kind of panicked because she realized what we just signed up for. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to do what? Yeah, exactly. Every day. But it really, really did work. So when you're in a marriage and you want, you're, you're recognizing the fact that you want to get yourself back in shape and you want to start being more attractive and you want your spouse to be more attractive to you. And I do mean physically and I do mean sexually. Because there's a lot of things that follow that. When you start getting your body in shape, your mental state will improve as well. And I mean, phys- physiologically, that's true. When well, you're wait, you can't be lazy about things mentally or emotionally if you are not lazy about things physically. It just is impossible because it's incongruent. So here's the point I was uh, trying to make earlier. I have noticed that the wealthier somebody is, mm-hmm. okay, the less likely they are to be fat. That's generally true. Okay, why yeah. is that? I think it, it gets down to that same discipline that I was talking That's about. That's what it is. Fiscal discipline. And well, I can tell you, you know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. Our most successful coaching clients, what do we mean by successful? They're meeting or exceeding the goals that they have set, which means that they have set goals, get the treasure map, okay? But the most successful coaching clients, as defined that way, are successful financially, physically, mentally, spiritually. They have great marriages. Because they it have, all works together. They're raising great kids. They're happy. They're moving forward. If you call them at 3 o'clock in the morning, they can tell you what they're working on. They're excited all the time. And it, I, I think I can't name a single coaching client that has it together in one of those things only, right, that, that is 
only good at, you know, being a listing agent because the discipline it takes to be a great listing agent Listen what follows saying. through to, say, working out. The, the disciplines of going to Orange Theory every day, the discipline of working consistently in your business, doing the real work of real estate, the discipline of being financially responsible, the discipline mm-hmm. of the next points we're going to talk about with regards to uh, essentially working on your uh, being an interesting person, things like that. All of these things work in hand in hand. So here's a for example. You're going to go, um, you know, maybe you just, you're not in great shape. You haven't really done any exercise in a long time. Here's an idea. Start by going on walks and just walks. They don't even have to be long walks. Be consistent about it. And listen listen to podcasts. And don't listen to podcasts about the crap that you're watching at home on CNBC or at (laughs) Fox News, okay? You got to start allowing yourself to be completely media free. Listen to this podcast. Listen to things that are going to make you a more interesting person. And along the way, you're going to stumble across other people that are literally walking the exact same path as you who are also trying to improve themselves. And now you got some friends. Now you're, from a real estate perspective, you're expanding your centers of influence and past clients. Now you're feeling a little bit more confident. Get your butt to a local gym where there's group workouts where you're going to make friends. It's the reason we're huge advocates of, guess what, Orange Theory. And then start doing that like we prescribed on a regular basis. And you'll expand your centers of influence and past client list even more. Then what happens is your finances improve. If you're somebody who's taking care of yourself physically, chances are making yourself do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level in your real estate business, as we prescribe to you as being a coaching client, will become second nature Definitely. because you're rewiring your brain. Yes. You're and changing you your less reality. Resistive to exactly. it. And you also get a lot more support along the way. So here's the thing, because some of them are freaking out. Oh, my God, I can't imagine being on a treadmill. Go slow. You don't have to be, you know, like breaking records right out of the gate. That would be unrealistic expectations. Believe me when I tell you, our first, you know, months even at Orange Theory were not the same as our workout today. But you do, what's the saying? You don't have to see every step on the ladder. You just have to take the first step and keep climbing. Just take the first step. Start out, like you said, you can start out with a walk, but well, do it every day. It. Do it every day and don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate. Well, I, I signed up to the gym, but there's 20 feet of snow on the ground. Well, figure out a different way to work out. And again, this is the reason why we suggest you put yourself in environments that will be uh, making Supportive. up for, right, that will be making up for maybe a little bit of your mental weakness as you're, for, as you're trying to essentially improve yourself. That's the reason we suggest you go to an organized gym. That's the reason we suggest you join our coaching program. By the way, for those of you who are smart and want to join our coaching program, just text the word PREMIER to 47372. Text the word PREMIER to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Um, and for those of you who are wanting to you know, have a distinct plan to go forward in your business, you're going to want to probably join EXP Realty. You're going to want to read our book, Harris Rules. Why would you try to recreate the wheel? Reinforce your life with things that are going to pull you in the direction that you want to go. Maybe it's only a mental thought. I want to be a different person. I want to have more, be more, have you know everything in my life. I know I can improve. You are being honest with yourself and you're saying you are not the version of yourself that you thought you'd be at the age in which you are, change it. But reinforce the, the change that you want to make because otherwise the weight, the yoke, the mooring lines of where you're, uh, where you're at now mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, certainly financially, they're going to pull you back. So you're going to have to attach yourself to something that's going to pull you maybe you know more than you want to be pulled in some cases in the direction that you want to go. And it's really important that you do that because then it's one thing will reinforce the other, reinforce the other. That's it. Well, I think we have time for one more point. We do. Okay. Point number six, don't be uninteresting. That's another word for boring. 
Similar to being unattractive, don't become boring or stuck mentally. Study things that make you engaging. Continue to upgrade your intellectual horsepower. Actually become more interesting to your spouse as you progress through life together. If you're not, you're being very complacent about your relationship, about yourself mentally. And, you know, I try to, I'm, I'm working on a podcast maybe about this, you know, the Da Vinci principles that I refer to sometimes. I, I find that that's a good guide to being interested in things. And it doesn't have to be just in your normal, like, real estate wheelhouse. In fact, I think that it's better if it's not. If you have things that you study, like what's going on with mortgages and know, you know, know your craft, but also look outside of that. And I have different little things that I try and follow, like, I like uh, historic architecture and house stuff, right? So that's that can be interesting and useful, but also things that are completely random but interesting. Well, and, I, and you do the same thing. You're always telling me about car stuff, or you know, we study things that together. And I'll tell you things about raising an eight-year-old that I read. But don't become uninteresting. Well, and why? From a practical perspective, because right, that's what we're always about. You're going to be able to have more conversations about different topics with different sorts of people. Otherwise, you're just going to end up having the same conversation about, you know, the Super Bowl. That's boring and you it's, get stuck. And, well, you're only going to attract certain people that are interested in the Super Bowl where, you know, you're going to, if you start exploring other things and opening your mind to what an incredible, you know, world this is that we all live in, how blessed all of us are. And again, especially since you're in the real estate industry, if you start expanding your mind, expanding your thinking, you're going to have to be aggressive, brutal about detaching yourself from all of the really disgusting garbage that's out there right now. And there now. is a lot of it. And there's a lot of it. It's unbelievable how politicized things have gotten. You're going to have to have the courage to check out in order to say yourself in order to preserve your future potential you're gonna to have to say i do not want to have political conversations anymore we got great advice a long time ago when, before we got into real estate from a guy named jack Rosselli. Mm -hmm. and um there was basically the gist of it was is you know when it comes to politics and this guy is a you know very at least in our world very famous and you know somebody we've definitely respected like i said he was I think an involuntary mentor of ours. I think so too. <laughs> he, he didn't know he Especially was a Especially back then. Right. And uh, he said, be a Republicrat. Be a Republicrat. Mm -hmm. Now, I this is something Julie and I followed, and you hear us on this podcast, making sure we're walking that line. Be a Republicrat. See both sides of the argument. Don't be partisan on one side or the other. Now, what's fascinating is everyone for years, when Julie and I were coaching, would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I want to be able to work with everybody. But something happened in the last three years that when Julie and I have said in front of groups of people, be a Republicrat, you'll have people <laughs> who will say, no, you have to think the way I think. Now, they don't say it like that, but that is what they're saying. Yeah. And it can be on either the left or the right side. And they'll go to the side. mat over it. They'll go to the mat over it. I have to convince the world that everyone's exactly the way I think. They're not, again, saying these words if that's how they're expressing themselves. But I did have somebody once, a lady who was described herself as an old hippie, once told me something, which I thought actually was a really good point. She said in her world, everybody, and again, her words, is an old hippie. And so she said, being that she's in a community, San Francisco, mm -hmm. where everyone's like her, everyone thinks like her, and this is where she wants to do real estate – it doesn't benefit her to be um, nonpartisan. She said, sure. in her world, if you're nonpartisan, if you're not partisan towards the uh, the you know the left side of polit the political range, she said she'll actually run people off from wanting to do business with her. But she said she realized she accepted. But she recognized it. Yeah, and she, I thought it was hilarious. What was funny to me was that she totally and completely understood and agreed to the point 
was telling me why in her world that wasn't a practical approach if her goal was to serve people um, in, in the real estate needs. Sure. And I thought that was a great point. And there are some areas that are like that. But, but, for but most the of, thing is that she was aware of it and she made a conscious decision of no, how it she was, went to it operate. was awesome. I loved so it. That's, but, that's respectable. But in most of your worlds, that's not the way it actually works. In most of your worlds, you're going to be tripping over people that are a little this, a little the other thing. Maybe they're you know too far this way or too far that way. So you want to be nonpartisan because it'll work against you. Yeah. Maybe in some environments you can be this way and maybe other environments you can't. Just do not participate. It's better in. to just be a Republican because you guys you shouldn't be posting things that are overtly one way or the other because – you don't know who your next prospect's going to be. They go and Google you, and maybe they even slightly disagree with whatever you just posted, and you wonder why they ghost you. They're not calling you back. They've already formed an opinion, so you have to stop doing that. Uh, but let's get back to our point. Don't be uninteresting. Study different things, right? Broaden your education. And I do this with coaching clients uh, as an excuse to be more interesting to expand their listing prospects, right? So a lot of agents are, let's make it really practical. A lot of agents are afraid to go up market because they get intimidated. They're uncomfortable out of their own price range. Most agents, once you're at the price range over what they're living in, they won't prospect, they won't call it back, they won't hang out in center of influence crowds like that because it's just out of their wheelhouse, right? So one of the things that you can do is preview more so you know what houses like that are like, but maybe when you walk into some, you know, it's three times what your average sale price is and you see their art collection. You're able to comment on Let's that. Let's tell them what we did. Yes. So well, when, lots of different versions right, of Right. When we started out in real estate, we were in our early 20s. We bought our first house when we were 22 and 23 as our first investment property. We started selling real estate not long after that. And we our average sale price was, guess what, like many of you, the houses in our neighborhood that were similarly priced. And it was easy to work with people like that because they're just like us, earning yep. the same amount of money, have the same experiences in life, and it was all very simple. And we sold 103 houses our first year, and we sold between 100 and 200 homes every year after that. But it was something that we knew was we were holding ourselves back. It it was easy. It was um, did not require much. I mean, easy implies it doesn't require a lot of effort, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it skills-wise, it was easy. Sure. It was a the, good learning The ground. business was coming to us. Yeah. But we wanted, and we knew we had more capacity. So across town, there was this <laughs> gorgeous area called New Albany Country Club. In New Albany Country Club, if you guys have never, it's still probably the best master plan community in the United States. I would agree. It's just, we just visited it on our U.S. tour. We did. And we we were there. We were going like, holy crap, this is nice. <laughs> I know. Okay, so here's the yeah. story. So Julie and I sold real estate for a while in this normal area where we grew up. We knew everybody. People, Julie's dad was a teacher. Her totally mom, normal. Middle her mom of the was road. a teacher. It was yeah. normal for us to trip across people who knew us or somehow were connected. And that makes sense, right? That's where you're going to form your real estate business. So what we did, uh, we decided, you know what? We can be working across town um, in a place that's a half hour, 45 minutes away. And the average sale price there was 4X what we were selling where we were from. And on up from there. And on up from there, right. Started at 4X. And we mm -hmm. thought, well, you know what? We have to work our asses off to sell 150 houses a year. And this is how much money we earn. I wonder how much how much easier it would be or what would have to change? What, how would we have to change to work across town? So we went and every weekend we would drive out there and we'd park our car and we would, this, you know, we're kind of trespassing, if we're being honest. <laughs> we, we would park our car in some place where, you know, it was legal. And yeah. we'd walk in the community. And we'd walk around on the, on the walking paths. We'd walk around the golf course. We'd go around 
and we would meet the people and say hi. They didn't know whether we and were we'd visiting. And we'd go to open houses, and we'd look at the golf course, and yep. we'd check out the country club, and we'd go to the horse events, and we, we started to learn that community. We did. We started to learn it. We went to the – there were some – met the builders. Yeah, we the started, of homes and stuff. We looked at all the maps. We started under, we started learning about Georgian and federal architecture. We started understanding all the nuances, things of the community. And so we started to actually go out there and breathe the air. Now, here's – I'll even make it more interesting. I think it's more interesting. <laughs> Not only did we not have any uh, familial contacts there, we had no educational contacts, and most of the community were uh, Jewish people, and we're no not Jewish. No social contacts at all. No social contacts. Most of the realtors, I think actually there are no exceptions <laughs> to this, yeah. grew up in the community. They went to school with each other. They went to veil every, oh, yeah. you know, third weekend in other words, on the private jets. we really jets. had no business being there. Hell no. <laughs> and they never wasted any time telling us that That's we had true. no business being there. They hated That's us being true. there. And so here's what we did. We went out there. We got to know the community. Um, it was a place that we were completely fish out of water. And we, we, then what'd we do? <laughs> Believe it or not, Julie was 29 years old and I, I'm a year older than her. And so we actually bought a house out there. So we moved out there. We had this very stable, consistent real estate business in this area that we grew up. It was producing very consistent income. We didn't ditch that business. We didn't publicly announce we're moving no. across town because we didn't want to alienate those customers, obviously. But we then moved to New Albany, physically moved to New Albany. We bought this big, beautiful Georgian house. And I remember celebrating the title company put a, when Julie turned 30, they put a happy birthday Julie sign in our front yard. Remember that? I do. Yeah. Anyway, so why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you all this? I got off my story. <laughs> well, knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. So yeah. If you want to be more interesting in your real estate career, start studying things that have to do with real estate and further your real estate career. But here's what we realized is that, and I've got, I'm back on track now. Okay. I was just picturing your sign when you turned 30, by the way. That's what <laughs> okay. I was thinking about. So um, we were able to apply the exact same discipline, skills, scripts, listing presentation, every single thing that we did to sell you know, thousands of homes of normal price ranges in that more exclusive market. Everything translated exactly. Yes, but it, it was also more competitive. Well, it, it was I would, for I disagree. a while out of our wheelhouse, but I, we learned it is the point. I disagree. It was not more competitive. In the lower price range, it was 1,000x more competitive. In the yeah. upper end price range, it was more exclusive. But what happened was is when we started calling the expires and we started pursuing the sellers and we had a formal listing presentation, when we were calling people back right away, when we were actually do, working hard versus like being gone in the summer because we're in Paris like most of our competitors, hmm. they then started listing with us. So it was more competitive in the sense that it was harder to get into the market. That's what I meant by that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, but it was, it was less competitive in the sense that the agents that we were competing against, once they basically were out of social connections, their skill set was very low. Pretty and they're, complacent. And they're, they were. And their average sale price was so high that they didn't have to get better. They would sell one house and or you know 10 houses a year and make what we were making probably selling 100 houses. You guys get the difference? But you learn a lot selling 100 houses a year. Yeah, and here's the thing that really was fascinating. The sellers in that marketplace, when those expires would happen, and the expires were happening in New Albany, and you'd see – like the listings would just pop between the top three agents that were there. And Julie and I were nobody, right? So you'd see the listing would go from Bob, then Bob wouldn't sell it. And they'd go to Susie and Susie wouldn't sell it. And it would go to Steve and Steve wouldn't sell it. And then it would rotate back around. Yep. And these sellers didn't really feel like they had any options other than just listing with these, you know, 
embedded agents. And then Julie and I would go out there. Those expires would pop up. Nobody was working the expires, which you'll find in the upper end markets. Definitely Most true. agents don't have the courage to work expires. So Julie and I were out there working the expires, calling, door knocking, doing whatever it took, got in front of the sellers, and guess what happened? We absolutely went aggressively after the market starting in third quarter of one year, and we called all the expires. And all these expires, when you'd call them, they always said the same thing. We're going to relist with the same agent in the spring. We would uh, get a listing appointment, and we ended up listing, I think, like 10 or 12 of these mega mansions. They were awesome. And here's what happened. I'll so never forget fun. this. We had the contract <laughs> signed. They all wanted to wait till the snow melted because snow in Columbus, Ohio is real. Yeah, and then the spring, the tulips started coming up, and then all of a sudden, along with the tulips, our for sale signs were in all these <laughs> listings. And I remember those realtors uh, were just shocked that we were able to do what we did, and we never like we That's never. That's because we were working when yeah. nobody else was, and because we were working harder than anyone else was in terms of hunting it down, right? For sure, we didn't take it for granted. That's it, and you know we would hear that quite a few times. But when we were, you know, yeah. to the point of being uh, uh, interesting, what we were doing is when we were walking around, when we were getting to know the community. We were getting to know the people. We were getting to know what they were interested in. And then we became interested in what they were interested in. That way, when we were starting to talk to them, we would be able to talk to them and relate to them like they wanted to be related to. No longer a fish out of water. Exactly. We made it so that we weren't a fish out of water. We were not born in that community or born at that level of you know, social influence or any of that stuff. We learned to be like them. And sure enough, what we discovered is they appreciated the fact that we were putting in all this extra effort, even though they knew we didn't go to the private schools. We didn't go to Ivy League schools. We didn't grow up on yachts. We didn't grow up on private jets. We didn't have houses in the Hamptons. We didn't do all this. This was all abnormal to us. And over time, the sellers who did raise their kids to be entitled little princesses and princes, <laughs> yeah. they appreciated the fact that we were scrappers. And we had them tell us that. Absolutely. Many, many times they told us they that. Did. They would say things like, you're the only agent that I, that I don't see on the golf course that's out there working it. We would have open houses. That neighborhood was not a big open house community. Never. And we would slam the open houses because everybody was curious about those big, beautiful homes, right? And then they became curious about us. Yes. And so one thing left, led to the next. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, educate yourselves. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. If you're not doing things like that, it may be out of ignorance, which makes sense that you would be fearful of it. You can change that. If we could change that when we were 29 and 30 years old, you guys can change it. And you have so many more tools at your disposal that we didn't have back then. That's true. And so this is all related to uh, relationship advice. Hopefully you guys are seeing this. How to have a successful, happy marriage and partnership. We're just demonstrating for you what we did to make it so and keeping it practical. Don't become uninteresting for the sake of your partner not being interested in you. But also in your quest to become more of an interesting person, you're going to attract different type of people to you. So then you can become more versatile and actually have a, a broader swath of uh, uh, more interesting real estate clients. Exactly. Sure. And mm -hmm. so this is all hand, hand in glove. Do you guys see how the improvement in one thing improves all the other aspects as well? Do you guys see how this is really, and I know for some of you, because Julie and I, I mean, we weren't always in great shape. We yeah. were fat at one point. Yeah. You know, well, we were. after a few years in real estate, having pizza at 10 o'clock at <sighs> night after a listing presentation, it does catch up with you after uh, we a We haven't while. had a pizza in years. I know. But, but I back mean, then it did, and we had to do something about it. And everyone else is standing in line picking up their pizzas too. I mean, so it's totally normal yeah. for everyone to have a That's pizza right. belly. Yeah. You know, it is what you did. That's and, for sure. But we, you know, so we know what it's like. We have experienced what it's like to essentially start less than zero. We know what it's like to be completely a fish out of work. We know what it's like to have to rebuild, which is some of what some of you are going to have to do. But you can do it. Don't give up on yourselves. 
You know, you only live once and you're dead a real long time. Some of you find the find that comforting. Others of you find it offensive. But I find it truthful. You only live once and you're dead a real long time. Make the most of the life you have. Don't take any of it for granted. Don't live in fear. Don't let other people manifest their fear or their desire to control you through giving you their fears. That's not really why you were put on this planet. Reattach to your inner eight-year-old when you wanted to be just a little bit late so you could have a little bit more freedom for just a few extra seconds later every it single morning. It is literally morning. seconds. We yeah. watch down to the clock. Yeah, but I mean, that really is a good point, I think. Yeah, good place to is. level off. Oh, by the way, if you guys are interested in joining eXp Realty, it's probably the single greatest wealth creation vehicle ever created for real estate agents. Um, if you're just getting started to learn about eXp Realty, I want you to text the letters eXp just the letters EXP to 47372. This is way more than about brokerage, way more about commission splits, way more than all the things that you think when you think of real estate brokerage. Real, EXP really is a vehicle for you to create true financial freedom. Text the letters EXP to 47372. And if you're ready to choose a sponsor, you're ready to move forward, and you would like to have Julie and I as your sponsor, we are formally applying for the job of being your EXP sponsor. So if you've not chosen a sponsor and you would like Julie and I to be your sponsor, we'd love the opportunity to interview for the job, right? Yes, indeed. And text me directly, and this is my real cell phone, at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, guys, thank you for the positive feedback. Please like us on are they supposed to like us on iTunes? Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Smoke signals. I mean, all the, th <laughs> all you that's know, fine. if you don't know about any of this, we are not hard to find. Yeah, we're not hard to find. But do please um, give us a five star review on iTunes. It really does help. Or on Stitcher, on Spotify, or on all the major podcasting listening devices. And guys, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to podcast uh, for real estate agents, number one daily podcast. We really do appreciate your feedback. We love it when you guys um, give us suggestions for show ideas. We love it when you tell us we're on target, we're on track. Got a lot of people that are saying this relationship stuff is really helping you to um, give you some you know, hopeful um, direction in your business and personal relationships. And we appreciate that feedback because it tells, you, tells us more of what you want. So please reinforce that. If you have any show ideas, any topics, feel free to message me on Instagram. And we're at Tim and Julie Harris. Um, obviously, or you could just text me at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.